uh, you'll, you'll sympathize or empathize. Um, why don't you get a real job? <laughs> is basically, <laughs> you know, so I used to get that all the time, you know. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with marketing friends old and new that I've met through my career as a marketing leader, consultant, and trusted advisor, and hopefully along the way share some marketing street knowledge They'll bring out the Rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode is recorded on Friday, the 27th of August. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, Rockstar CMO advisor Jeff Clark is back. I start a new series with Christina Del Villar discussing her book and her grit marketing methodology. And I ease into the weekend with a trip the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. A welcome back to my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former research director at Serious Decisions and Forrester. And we continue to explore the topic of planning. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How was your break, my friend? It's great. We're having, uh, we're continuing to have very warm uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes very wet weather here in New yes. England. Um, so uh, it feels like July, but it's yeah August. So huh, whatever. Didn't, didn't the storm just sweep through? Was it that the far storm, north for you? Uh, no. Uh, Henri swept yep. through, um, and I, I think I've, you know, it's named Henri, and I think it's payback for all the problems that Haiti has had. And they're like, we're sending one up your way, and uh, and uh, it it turned into just a big rainstorm here, but uh, so it wasn't wasn't too uh, disastrous. But hey, there's still plenty of time in the hurricane mm. season. True, that's true. I remember. And seeing those warnings from when we were living in Stanford brought back memories when you're a little, when the, those storm warnings that come through. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I've successfully done the English thing and started the conversation about the weather. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but really, last time we were chatting, uh, we were talking about um, the marketing inputs, weren't we, for our planning. So we're still on yep. this this uh, plan planning about planning. treadmill. Yes, yep. indeed. And a key piece of that, uh, we were chatting before I hit record, uh, well, the customer needs, is capturing the customer needs. What's your approach to that? What say you, my friend? What say I is, well, you mm-hmm. know, needs is, I mean, I actually think we did, certainly did talk about it, uh, you know, last time we were talking about planning inputs, but mm-hmm. it is something that comes up over and over again um, because it is, I mean, it is central to, it's really central to marketing. It's like, yeah. you know, your strategy, your planning, your campaign, uh, planning execution, you really want to design products, what you're trying to sell around the problems you're trying to solve for the customer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, we talk about it as pain points or there's lots of different 
terminology, but you're really trying to make sure you can articulate that we understand you've got something, a challenge problem to solve. Mm -hmm. We've got a solution. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to speak in your language to you about mm -hmm. the fact that I understand what that that, mm -hmm. that challenge is. And, and here's my approach to how I'm going to how I'm going to address that for you. I like that. Now, there's a couple of points that immediately spring to mind from that. The first one is, is I've heard feedback that B2B marketers spend a little bit too much time talking about the problem and the customer already <laughs> understands the problem. Is that an experience that you've seen where, you know, marketers sort of are so proud of themselves that they figured out the problem, that they go on and on about it and the customer's going, yeah, we know, we have the problem. Uh, skip, skip to the bit where you're going to help us. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that certainly is 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 valid, and it's funny because I think one of the things that we, um, you know, we knock around is the concept of thought leadership, and it's like I'm just going to talk about yeah. you know about how in fact we understand the problems out there, mm -hmm. et cetera, and and you know, but I think it really it is. It, this is where you really want to try to think about the different levels of how you're articulating the need and get it down to, you know, if there's a specific persona, individual decision maker, mm -hmm. person that's part of the buying process, you know, how am I going to get to that person being able to communicate that I understand your needs, being able to communicate in the language that they want to hear mm -hmm. and then say, this is what we offer to actually address that problem. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not that you just want to babble on and on and on about mm -hmm. the, the challenges and the problems out there. It's that, it's that you really want to be able to talk, you know, their language. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, what I've seen is that, you know, a lot of organizations. Because this is more than just, you know, what are we going to put out in our white papers and in our mm -hmm. webcasts and stuff like that? Sometimes the challenge is is often shifting the entire organization to think about you know, uh, about addressing customer needs as opposed to products. Right. So too often mm. we're, we're, you know, we're, we've got a product to sell. So we understand that the, the buzz in the, in the market is all about something. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've, we've bandied or, or yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, customer experience, digital transformation, you know, there's all these, these grandiose things that, that it's like, okay, yes, mm -hmm. I understand that that's a, that's a big issue out there, but what, what are you doing to actually help me solve mm -hmm. that particular, my particular problem that, that, that sits under that umbrella. Mm. And um, so it's a know. balance really, isn't it? Cause also I think as marketers um, or, or certainly a sales team, sometimes we need to generate need and generate, I mean, people say about generate pain, which is a bit strong, but we need to, there'll be people that are, then need a little bit of education about how to solve their problem. And as part of that education, they need to understand the problem. And also we then need to figure out how far do we go with talking about the problem? So how, what, what do you think is the right balance there? How do we, how do we figure that out? Well, one of the things that you, you want to do is, is, um, well, there's a couple things is it, is you, you need to break down the need into its components and then you need to map the products and solutions that you've that you as an organization offer to those needs. Mm -hmm. So, so to take a little tangent on the on the levels of, of needs is there's you know if you're if you're you're in B two B you're selling to a company so the company mm -hmm. has a particular need to 
to do something. You know, they're 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 trying to comply to certain regulations. They're trying to sell more. They're trying to become more efficient or whatever. And then there's a then there's the functional level of that need is that you know if I'm selling into sales and marketing, you know, sales and marketing may have um, you know needs to be selling more efficiently. And there's a sales aspect to that, and there's a marketing aspect. Mm-hmm. But then you know, when I'm talking to, okay, my, the people in the buying process are going to be, I don't know, you know, the, the CMO and the head of sales ops. Okay. Now I've got individuals that have their own roles in, in helping, you know, address the functional and the organizational need. And so, and so one of it is you you really want to get down to the specificity of if I'm marketing to certain individuals that are part of a buying process, you know, what is it that those particular people are interested mm-hmm. in that, that I have to address? And, and so you're not, you know, you're trying to get out of the, you know, the big, you know, weighty umbrella issues of like customer experience, digital transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just trying to help you, you know, grow more revenue. We're just trying to help drive efficiency. Mm-hmm. So you really try to get more specific. And then as you do that, and because this is one of the challenges of companies that try to make the transition to from a product orientation to a more of an audience need orientation uh-huh. is that you need to be able to ultimately say, okay, you know, you know, I've I've articulated what you need. This is what we do to address that need, and I've got a product and service that that or product or service that helps you do that. And so internally, you need to do that because. If you've got people in the organization that are that are you know so used to selling from a product first perspective, you need to be able to say, yes, we're trying to address audience needs, but yeah. ultimately we're driving revenue for particular products and services. And you you know it's it's actually best to get it down to you know if we're doing running these campaigns focused on specific customers, excuse me, customer needs, we're ultimately we're driving revenue in these specific products and services, so that you're 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 not trying to to stay up there in the clouds, you're trying to likely take it down right. to a level where it's like, this is the impact to the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then also if you think from a, from a perspective of, I mean, one of the things I used to help uh, organizations do when I was at Forrester serious decisions is help kind of build these campaign hierarchies, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, you're, you're, so you, the organization that's doing the selling and marketing, you've got a corporate brand that's all about, solving some set of problems in the world. Mm-hmm. And within that, you've got these specific needs you address. Mm-hmm. And then with under that, you've got specific products and services that, you know, perhaps the, you know, the call to action of a campaign or mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, marketing is setting up opportunities that sales is actually going to come in and, and have specific products and services that they're going to try to address that. So it's, so it's really important to, kind of build out that hierarchy and show people that it's like, you know, within our corporate brand, we're campaigning to these needs, we're driving these products and services. Mm-hmm. And so um, is that something that, uh, so I'm picturing this hierarchy. So is, ha, do, and we were talking about capturing customer needs as part of the planning. So is that part of the persona work that you would do as, uh, and, and, and yeah. have needs associated with each persona? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, the the number one issue, uh, at least that, you know, we found when surveying 
uh, yeah. heads of marketing was the number one issue of, of kind of shifting this model is just getting the insights on customer needs. So, mm-hmm. you know, what and this is, and I think we've touched on this point before, the absolute importance of talking to customers, yeah. looking at win-loss analysis, getting first and third-party research on, on yeah. the needs of not just the organizations, but the individuals, conducting focus groups still, you know, is, is, is good to kind of, kind of uh, mm-hmm. get to the bottom of how people talk about things, talking to your own sales and services people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have maybe perhaps an internally biased view, but it's like, that's where you can get you know, right. clues as to what the customer really wants and maybe get the introductions to the customers. So you can actually talk right. directly to them. And, and one of the companies that, <clears throat> that, that uh, I remember working with did a really good job of, of doing all this research and and listing, you know, in in the terms that the that the customers would use, listing these needs out, mm-hmm. scoring them. It's like, so how how good are we? You know, there may be things that are like high level priority needs for a customer. Yeah. We don't necessarily uh, execute on that well, but we do execute yeah. on these particular needs. And so they're able to. What they were able to do was to say within what we're trying to do in digital transformation. There are specific things we're doing for marketers. There's specific things we're doing for sales. There's specific uh-huh. things we're doing for services organiz- organizations. And now we can message to those, those things that we think are our strengths in addressing those needs. Uh-huh. And, um, but that's quite a shift. I mean, what you've touched on there is quite a shift for some marketing teams because um, being product centric, selling on features in b2b tech anyway is very natural and easy i mean most um vendors started off with a product that they then needed to take mark take to market and they were looking for a problem uh, that, that needed their solution yet um, when you then make that shift you're shifting from a product marketing product management centric planning approach to a more to a marketing approach how have you seen that work within organizations well, I think that's so. I think it is. Um, it's interesting you say you know they start out product first, but you know really actually to get to get funding, mm, get, that's true. To get the early <laughs> sales, yeah. there needs to be a need or and or yeah. somebody uh, you know from the product development perspective said, yeah. "My gosh, there's this need in the market, and I and yeah. nobody's providing it, and I and I can figure yeah. out how to do that." Yeah. The the challenge becomes that as you as you get either you you try to get you know you got your first sales etc and now you're going on trying to build on that or you're trying to go from one product to two products to three products yeah. and 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 on or of course we've seen organizations but with mergers and acquisitions you're you know you pull in another uh product organization and they've got their own way that they message to things and and so mm-hmm. things tend to stay in those silos and i mean there was one company I worked with, it was like a $64 billion um, technology and services company. So very large. And they had 600 different products. And wow. what they, what they basically, they came to the realization. It's like, we, because sales market, the marketers, the customers were all totally confused because there's just mm. too much going on with all these different products. And so they, they had the shift to more of a, an audience focus and kind of build out in this case, they build out kind of vertical and sub vertical markets with have yeah. their own specific needs. So, so they could take any particular product or solution that fit into that market and map it in. Yeah. And then, you know, at the high level address, 
the market need and the you know individual organizations and all the different levels and that that became wow. their you know their campaign not just their campaign hierarchy that came the way that they uh, shifted the sales organization because yeah. they wanted people selling you know who would start developing the you know their own uh, subject matter expertise in how to solve particular mm. problems. That's quite an investment, though, isn't it, that we're talking about there in terms of the amount of planning that these marketing teams needed to do to get to that, to build that foundation, that granular level of, of do you find there's a resistance in organizations oh, you work with on that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's too easy, like in, it, we discussed in planning yeah. last time, it's too easy to say, just, you know, tell me my budget and I, I'll go out and I'll just create a plan and I'm going to go yeah. to these events and I'm going to run these webcasts and yeah. we're doing this camp, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it's fr- frankly, it's the easy way, but it's not the effective way. And, yeah. and the investment, you know, the, the investment in every case that, that, you know, I've become familiar with just pays off in spades right. because not only, you know, are you now messaging better from a marketing perspective and you're able to plan your marketing because you understand who you're trying to get to and how to talk to them where and where, you know, where the, it's called the watering holes, where do they yeah. go for information? And so you're going to be there providing them some information, right? But you can also improve, uh, sales train enablement. So, yeah. you know, wh- who, who are the salespeople going to be talking to? Mm-hmm. What, what, what can we do to help them with messaging, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, um, so in, in many cases, this needs to be a joint effort between marketing and sales, not just a marketing thing, because, you know, salespeople certainly can get value from win-loss analysis and yeah. research and the focus groups. And, uh, you know, and again, you talking to salespeople to say, help me understand what the customer is looking for and how yeah. they talk about it is, I mean, that helps build well, the bridges. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if one thing we know, sales guys love to uh, talk, and they also <laughs> they also know an awful lot about marketing when you talk. <laughs> how it should be done, right? So, well, so everybody got, does. So you've got no problem with somebody taking that meeting. I wouldn't have thought, apart from they're very yeah, busy yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but um, but how? But the, the thing is, is when you're a new CMO or you're a new marketer coming into an organization, there's a there's a hunger there for early wins, getting stuff done, getting on with things being visible, blah, blah, blah. Whereas the right thing to do is to kind of sit back and take a consultative view and and spend your first 30, 60 really planning, right? And sort of discovering and then planning. Have you, how have you, how how have you seen that in terms of uh, organizing, organizations accepting that from somebody coming in? I think that it is, it is critical, um, it's critical to do, I mean, as a CMO coming in and doing their discovery process, it's critical to understand what are early wins versus what is required over a longer haul. Um, So, you know, one organization I was, I was with, I think the, the the CMO who we've talked to before, you know, Grant Mm -hmm. Johnson, I mean, he did a good job of saying there's a, there's a longer term, branding issue we've got to solve but there there are specific things that are that are top of mind to the ceo and others that we need to address first so it Mm -hmm. it is you you want to you know you you can't avoid trying to provide the Mm short-term solutions and wins Mm -hmm. while while not while keeping your eye Mm -hmm. on the long-term uh challenges and Mm -hmm. and i think that you know understanding any cmo who who 
he and his staff say, you know what we need to do? We needed to do a deep dive and understand who our customers yeah. are and what makes them tick. I mean, that, that cannot be uh, an unpopular move um, yeah, you know, because everybody in the organization would say, wow, this is great. We're just not just going to come in and change the color on the website and, and provide a new logo. We're actually going to mm. have marketers that actually understand what our business is all about. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point, and and probably a very good point to end on. I did I did sort of digress there into into the value of planning completely, but uh, I that's think your, that's one of your skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, also last week I had a bit of a rant about, and, and it just happened to be about planning when you left me alone on the show. So um, <laughs> I was thinking, what's the anecdote to what I was ranting? So it was good to get your advice there. Um, and Jeff, when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? I'd say, well, at uh, Rockstar CMO Advisors, for one, and also on LinkedIn. Yes. And you normally bring us a, a, a disc to the show for us yeah, to, really? drop, <laughs> to drop it's, on, uh, here on the Rockstar CMO. Yeah, uh, it's, hard, it's hard for me to sell, send my old albums over the, <laughs> <laughs> across the ocean over the Internet. But uh, the one, I mean, when you talk about needs, I mean. Yes. I mean, there's there's dozens, scores yeah. of songs about about needs. Most of them happen to be of the romantic or mm-hmm. uh, or uh, let's see, what's the other word for it? Um, sexual <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> nature. Yeah. And uh, so, what I thought, just you know, because I like the I like the high energy tunes yeah. to end this is "I Need You" by In Excess. Splendid. Well, we'll be playing out with that, Jeff. And uh, will I see you here next week? Are you still yes. in your travels? Yeah, actually. And I think that um, next we're going to talk about waste. Oh, that sounds interesting. All right. Well, I look forward to that. I'll speak to you next week. Cheers, mate. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you, Jeff. And that was a bit of In Excess and Need You Tonight from 1987. If you have something you'd like me to discuss with Jeff, give us a shout. We're Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn and Twitter. And of course, I will include all of Jeff's links in the show notes. Right, on to our guest. Regular listeners may remember Christina Del Villar from episode 64. She is a Silicon Valley marketing executive, consultant and author who geeks out on helping companies transform, grow and scale. With 25 years of experience at Fortune 100 companies and more than 15 startups, Christina has developed go-to-market and marketing strategies for new product launches, acquisitions and IPOs, particularly for high growth companies. I invited Christina back onto the show to dive into her book, Sway, Implement the Grip Marketing Method to Gain Influence and Drive Corporate Strategy, which we introduced in our last chat, but has now been published. And in this four-part series, we will dive into what grip means and how you can apply it. I hope you enjoy this conversation. 
Welcome back, Christina, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I am doing great, Ian. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited. Well, thank you for agreeing to come back. I was listening to we we last chatted on the show back in episode 64 in May. I've got no idea where the time has gone. I mean, I don't know May, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I was just listening to our episode the other day. I really enjoyed that conversation, but we really kind of squished it all together. So I want to spend a bit more time. Uh, talking to you. But for the listeners that didn't listen to that episode, uh, remind us a little bit about who Christina is. Sure. So again, my name is Christina Del Villar. I have been working in Silicon Valley for the past 30 years as a marketing executive, mm-hmm. mostly focused on B2B companies. And as part of that, my my role was really to focus on go-to-market strategies and marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. And so over the time that I worked at you know startups and, and established Fortune 100 and 500 companies, I came to the sort of realization that marketing is is often overlooked and part of that is our own um, fault, if you will. And so I yeah. wanted to write a book to help marketers be able to level up a bit, have a seat at the table, have more responsibility, have more influence. Um, and so that is why I wrote Sway. Nice. And so the give the book its full title, Sway, Implement the Grit Marketing Method to Gain Influence and Drive Corporate Strategy. You can see that I'm referring to my notes. Right, I right. I, I don't even uh, know if I could remember that. No. That's quite the title. <laughs> and back in May, I was fortunate enough to get a preview. It hadn't actually come out. Um, how's the launch gone? It's launched when? Beginning of the month? Or? It launched, uh, yeah, August, beginning of August. And it's yeah. been really, really interesting because there's, there's a bunch of um, marketing authors who came out with books over the past like you know three or four months and we're fortunate because we're marketing people right so we know how to market I focus on go-to-market strategy so I you know basically applied my methodology to my own book launch which was which was kind of interesting Um, but yeah it's been it's been really fun you know I've been doing podcasts because book tours aren't really a thing right now Um, and and the feedback has just been amazing I really hope that it helps people uh, you know have a more fulfilling marketing career and and again start building that trust and influence in their organizations yeah yeah and i think um well i don't know this for sure but i think maybe you're the only um author i've spoken to that that created a music video to oh my gosh (laughs) i yeah it was just one of those things and it's you know it's weird having your own book and having it published and you know there's this hard back of you sort of yeah forever on a bookshelf hopefully um and uh and then it was really interesting because i I did a, a music video to launch to launch the book and, you know, worked with the artist to write the song. And so like half of the song are words from the book itself. So that was that was kind of cool, like hearing yeah. hearing those yeah. kind of cool things that I wanted to pull out of the book. So, uh, yeah, I recommend I mean, if nothing else, it's just kind of fun. <laughs> Remind us, um, the artist that, that, that sang that and I'll include uh, a link to in the show. Notes. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I am Sotaria and she mm-hmm. she's a poet and an artist um, really tries to help. Um, sort of uh, under, underprivileged people have a, have a voice. Um, and, and it was just really important for me to work with her on, on that song. And, and I love it. I love the video. I love the song. I listen to it. Like I listen to it myself, right? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll, um, I, like I say, I'll share it in the show notes. And if I can grab awesome. a little snippet of it, I'll include it in the, in the, bog, on the, in the podcast Fantastic. as well. You are a badass revenue generating marketing influencer full of grit. You can sway anyone. Now grab a chair, pull it up to the table, crack your knuckles, hunker down, take command of your future, and go save your company. You got this. Um, 
in our last discussion, we were stepping, we stepped through the book. And then when I was listening back, I realized how we rushed in 20 minutes through your whole book. So <laughs> I'm delighted that you've come back. I want to dig into some more detail and, and thanks for agreeing to this mini series. Um, yeah. So let's start with the premise of the whole book. So you've talked about the fact that, um, you know, it's about empowering marketers now placing the table. So and what yeah. inspired you to write the book? But what's the basic premise of the entire book? Yeah, the basic premise is that marketers need to find a way to not only have influence in their organization, but to leverage that influence across the entire customer journey and be able to show the impact and results. We're already involved in every piece of that customer journey, whether it's from a product standpoint, sales, customer success. But one of the things that marketers have a really hard time doing is showing the value that they bring. Um, you know, part of that is because we're doing so much and, and there's we don't have as much visibility, for example. Um, and then part of it is just on the fact that leaders and executives executives just don't understand what marketing does. And so we're always in this position of trying to prove ourselves on top of doing our jobs. And so for me, it was just important to, um, you know, this is, this is a process and a methodology I've used for years with my teams. Um, You know, and they've always said like, can you, can you write it down in a way that like I can see it and as a step-by-step. And I was like, I don't, I don't know, that would be hard to do, but so it took some time to figure out what that looked like, but that's basically what, what the book does is it's a guide. Yeah, and I, you were quite generous actually when we last chatted, um, referring to previous podcast guests. And I, if I refer to one, um, I spoke to a CEO coach, uh, Richard Metcalf, and he was talking about how, as marketers, we tend to go into the C-suite just thinking about marketing and being the, the geek that does the marketing that does the thing. We yep. don't have a plan for marketing, and we don't have a plan for marketing the marketing to these folks, and we don't talk in their language. Is that the sort of thing that you're talking about here? Yeah, I think for I mean, marketers are great at marketing, but we don't spend a lot of time marketing ourselves mm-hmm. internally. And I think that that that's part of what what I wanted people to to recognize. The other thing is that I feel like a lot of people, just in general, marketers, it doesn't yeah. matter, right? We, we we feel like we, we're waiting for somebody to empower us and we actually need to empower ourselves. Yeah. Um, and nobody's really going to empower you. <laughs> it's just no. the way it is. So if you can empower yourself and, you know, gain the knowledge and, and start building those relationships internally so that you can, you know, look, work together, have a more collaborative work environment, um, be more aligned, be able to talk about things in context, uh, mm-hmm. then everybody will start seeing the results and that impact. You know, I mean, I, I think about it there was I was in a meeting one time and uh it was it was with the board and the board was like well how much money you know is attributed to marketing how much of the revenue is attributed to marketing and I literally I was like 100 percent and they're like what, yeah. what do you mean and yeah. I'm like 100 percent 100 percent we we touched every single dollar that came into this company yeah. like whether it was through brand or through the website or through the programs or helping enable sales and I think that that's just sort of forgotten and again, it's really hard for us to articulate that that yeah. impact that we have. Yeah, and I like, I, and I'm, I've just thought of a nice analogy for for what you've described about embar- empowering yourself, and that is to have some grit, right? What? Well, <laughs> what a beautiful segue! <laughs> I'm so proud of myself on that one. That was brilliant. Brilliant. So from your book, you talk about implementing the grit marketing method. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, what are the what does grit stand for? 
Yeah. And I don't know, when I was writing the book, I, you know, like you're saying, I was like, we have to have grit. And, yeah. uh, and then I was like, maybe I can turn this into an acronym just because, <laughs> uh, and it turned out it worked out well. But uh, so the G in grit stands for go to market strategy, mm-hmm. which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. The R stands for repeatable, predictable, and measurable. And this has to do with your content management strategy, as well as the programs that you, mm-hmm. you're working on and campaigns. The I stands for intent and intention, because I feel like marketers get pulled in so many different directions and we really need to be more intentional Mm -hmm. with how we spend our time and our resources. And then the T stands for the tools and technologies we use to both define and implement and measure Mm -hmm. uh, the the results of everything that we're doing and putting into play. Yeah. It's beautiful, isn't it, when when an acronym comes together. (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to do one for Moxie too. That one was a lot more difficult. (laughs) (laughs) I talk about creating art, that marketers need to create art, awareness, revenue, and trust. I'm quite proud of that. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. RPM, I thought was brilliant too. Repeatable, predictable, measurable. Um, We'll get to RPM actually in the next episode in our little mini series. So that'll be the R. So let's start with the G, uh, go to market. And last time you shared how important it is for marketers to be involved and often we aren't in go to market. So tell us a bit more about that. I mean, that, that really sounds like the core of the book that we need to be empowered. Yeah, it it is, and I think that it's it's interesting because um, you know since the book has been out, both both the pre pre release um, and with beta readers, and now I've had a lot of discussions about go to market strategy, mm-hmm. and what what I found is that companies. Yeah, it's bad enough they don't understand marketing, but a lot of companies don't even understand go-to-market and a go-to-market strategy, right? They might have an end game or a goal. Usually it's a revenue target, but they don't actually have a formulated plan that goes across the customer journey that brings everybody in the organization into it. You know, we hear about OKRs and uh, and KRs and how they all are supposed to roll up. Uh, but at the end of the day, I really I really don't see that. Those are those are a pretty short term and, and not as strategic as I would like to see them. Um, and I I think that that is really critical. So to have a go-to-market strategy, it's pretty simple. Your go-to-market strategy is the strategy you use to take your products and solutions to market. Mm-hmm. And it starts with product, how you define it. it. It incorporates pricing and bundling and all the different features and functionality. Obviously, it goes through marketing and sales, but it also continues, especially because I work a lot with B2B, with the customer success and the journey that the customers have, right? How do you get them onboarded? How do you keep them? How do you keep them active mm-hmm. every and, and using your products and solutions every day. My, my goal is that the first thing people come to in the morning when they go, when they go on, they probably go to their email first, but then maybe they go to my, my solution, right? Like that's yeah, my yeah. goal. Yeah. Right. I want them, I want them in there every day and I want them gaining knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there, that's a long-term relationship and partnership with those folks. If you're implementing software, I mean, it could be anywhere from two to 10 years that they're mm-hmm. using it. And if you're not really focusing on, again, that, that end game, like you want them to have renewals, you want to expand in that, um, you know, in that company or that client, these are all things that are part of a go-to-market strategy that we just don't, we don't think about and don't incorporate. And so I think that it's really important to think about what a go-to-market strategy is for your company. And again, you can have your end goal, which is a revenue target or IPO, yeah. whatever whatever that looks like, but then you really need to have a strategy. And so that's kind yeah. of the number one issue. We don't, we don't have a strategy. I think yeah. the number two issue is that marketing, because they touch all of that, 
they really should be a significant piece of developing that go-to-market strategy. And and we're not. Oftentimes, like I, you know, I talk about it in the book, we're like handed, we're handed this go-to-market strategy or this playbook or this cookbook and like, okay, go, go yeah. make it happen. Yeah. And, and you're like reading it and you're like, this doesn't even make sense. Like we don't even have this product anymore or, mm-hmm. you know, our customers don't want this product mm-hmm. um, or this feature. And so that's why I think it's really important for, I, I feel like marketing should own the go-to-market market strategy. Um, But if they don't own it outright, they should absolutely be part of how it's developed, defined and iterated on. And so that's really kind of what what I'm talking about in that chapter. Yeah. And I think, um, and to to one of your points there, the earlier point there is go to market strategy isn't now one and done. We've sold the product. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) The thing you're you're talking about, about the fact that we now need to be helpful in in customer engagement, renewals, Mm -hmm. and keeping people engaged with the product is a big part of, you know, go to market doesn't end at the sale, does it? It doesn't. It, it and it shouldn't, right? I mean that that's just it. And I think that again, to to your point, you there's it, it's an ongoing, again, especially for B two B or large, you know, products and solutions. Not even even for consumer goods, though, right? Like you want you want repeat business. You want that person yeah. to come back and you know engage and, and be loyal. And so it's important to remember not. And you already you already have you've already paid for them, yeah. right? You've already <laughs> so why not? <laughs> it's going to be easier to convince them because because they either are already, you know, they're either already loyal and like your product or they're kind of stuck with it, which is <laughs> not the best thing, but at least they're, you know, they're attentive. Um, yeah. And even if it's like just popping up banners in in the product or sending them a specific, you know, a piece of content on ROI or best practices yeah. or, you know, doing some advanced training, there's so much, there's so much you can do to help the customer be more successful with your product. And, and yeah. I think we unfortunately ignore that. Yeah, and remind them that made a great they made a great decision, right? And why? why Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, you're affirming it, you're validating it, and you're helping them leverage it to to the maximum. So it's important. In that in that chapter, you also in that section, you also talk about a map of influence. I like Mm -hmm. that concept. What's from from a go to market perspective as a marketer? What's my map of influence? Yeah, your map of influence. And again, you can have any any individual can have a map of influence, whether you're in product or sales or marketing. Obviously, I kind of focused on on marketing, but kind of walk through other areas as well. And then you can also have a map of influence, if you will, as a team, like an organization, like a marketing um, organization, and then as a company as a whole. But basically what the concept is, is you are looking at all of the areas mostly tactical, but strategically as well, that you can touch, that you can influence, um, that like on a day-to-day basis or as part of your your overall strategy, uh, you're you're focused on. So for example, if you're in marketing, like what what is it and as part of the customer journey, for example, with with product, how can marketing help product, right? Like we own the website where people are, you know, coming in and commenting or social media where they're giving reviews. So how can marketing take some of the things that they already own and work more closely with that other organization to make yeah. sure that we're helping as as much as we can but the other p- key piece to that is because you're focused on that strategy you want to be able to prioritize based on that strategy again there's a million things all of us could do right you mm-hmm. know um but it's really critical to identify those areas i call them touch points so the touch points where you can where you're already working on them or could have more influence um and then prioritize them based on the strategy and and a lot of it just has to do with um you know i mean it's kind of common sense like ha- have relationships with 
with people in your in your organization and with the other organizations so that you can be more aligned and collaborative. Again, right. it's not not rocket science, but it's it's super, yeah. it's something we all end up in these silos still, no matter how yeah. hard we try. Yeah, and you need to be um, considered about it, don't you? You need to have a plan for it that you're actually going to do this and remind yourself on a daily basis. I need to reach exactly. out to these folks. I need to touch these folks. I can't yep. just get my head down in the the marketing or get on the ha- marketing hamster wheel and run along. I need to actually right. make sure that I maintain and nurture these relationships. Exactly. And it's really key. And, and that's part of what I think the intention is as yeah. well. It's being laser focused on these areas that you've identified and then yeah. prioritized. And you can prioritize your own area, um, which is great. But then the map of influence really should go across the entire um, customer journey, which is aligned to your go-to-market strategy, which is aligned to your corporate goals, so yeah. that you're literally focused and prioritizing the right things. Nice. I like that. That's a good segue, I think, as we as we move to the end of G. Although yep. I still feel that the time just flew by there and I'm not sure we covered everything in the go to market. But um, as so um, as a reminder, the, your book is called Sway, Implement the Grit Marketing Method to Gain Influence and Drive Corporate Strategy. Uh, next week, we'll be discussing the R in grit. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and that'll be RPM. It's a fun we, one. We won't tell everybody what it is and wait till next week. In the meantime, when folks spin the dial on the interwebs, where will they find you? They can find me at ChristinaDelVR.com, mm-hmm. also SwayTheBook.com, and and pretty much you know anywhere LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, pretty much everywhere right now. At some point, I have a course coming out as well, which will be exciting because really? that'll help walk walk through the actual grit marketing method, which will be fun. Splendid. Well, I look yeah. forward to picking up with you next week, and we talk about the R and RPM. Until then, thank you very Thank you, Christina. So that's the G of grit. We'll get to the R next week. And I will, of course, include a link to the book and all her links in the show notes that you can find on our website at rockstarcmo.fm. Right. It's that time of the week. It's Friday evening. Time to wind down and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. It's nice to see you in the bar, and it's nice to be at the end of the week here. Um, you know, tonight I, I had a hankering, um, and it's a drink that, quite frankly, uh, I hadn't had in a long. It's a it's a very common drink cocktail, um, mm. but I hadn't had one in so long. Uh, that I thought it might be it might be fun. Now this is normally something we would have on a Sunday morning, um, but it just it just felt right for some some reason, and that's a Bloody Mary. Um, <laughs> I love it. Anything you can drink on a Sunday morning sounds excellent. That's right. And so yeah, I you know, and I mean, I don't think I need to tell you the 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 various um, ingredients of a Bloody Mary, but you know, of course, mm-hmm. you've got your Worcestershire sauce, you've got your black yeah. pepper, you've got your Tabasco, lemon juice. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, you can add, you know, the, 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 your alcohol of choice, but of course, mm-hmm. you know, gin, vodka, whatever yeah. you like, you know, it's, uh, which it's way it. do you go? I mean, it's another drink without tequila in this week, but I'm worried about you. 
I, you know, don't be worried about me at all because I'm drinking plenty of tequila in the background here. Um, uh, you know, I'm a, I, I go vodka typically um, with yeah. um, with because I, you know, vodka tends to uh, hide behind all of the rest of the things, and I think it's a pretty strong and and gin does not typically. Yes. So uh, yeah, so I typically go with vodka. Nice. And um, uh, and are you a stick of celery sticking out the top, man? Yes, I am not the kind that builds an entire meal on the top <laughs> on, on the top of the uh, on the top of the Bloody Mary, but I do like a good uh, a good green olive or two, and maybe a lime wedge. Um, yeah. I, I'm not I, I'm full stop. Not a celery guy. Celery to me is the is a complete waste of a vegetable. Yes. Um, and so yeah, so no no celery for me, but uh, but the rest of it I like, you know. But I'm not putting nice. bacon or a hamburger or something like that on the top of the <laughs> glass. I can I can I'm thinking maybe you'd, be, you'd have some like breakfast tacos or something, a bit of a hangover and a and a. Um, oh, it's fantastic kind of with breakfast tacos. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just I mean, there's so much that's great about a Bloody Mary on a Sunday morning. But you know, I had a hanker and I thought we should have one here on. I love it. I love it. And it's the, it's really the only drink apart from, I don't know, a champagne on a flight that you can really get away with before noon, isn't it? And that hides the fact that you're a complete alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is. It is indeed one of those. Yes. I mean, other than, you know, you can also get the, the you know, the, your glass of Prosecco or champagne. Yes. Or that sort of thing. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to try and repeat that recipe uh, using the uh, ingredients on my desktop bar. Um, I'm close-ish in that I have myself my Hendrix Luna Gin still this week. I need to drink this up. And uh, oh, uh, do you put ice in your um, in your Bloody Mary? Do we what put it in one? In? Are you putting ice in your Bloody Mary? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. I thought as much. I've just dropped a piece of ice. I don't know where it's gone. Yeah. All right, some ice, and um, put in my gin. Oh, I might need a. If I carry on like this, I might need a bloody mary tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't have any tomato juice or Worcester sauce, as we would say. Um, I do have some tonic water, which I shall add into that. That is not. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, as we've discussed before, I like to trust the other people who are going to get my botanicals That's together. fair enough. Yeah, I, I yeah. suppose. That's Let me give this a taste. Mm. It's not Sunday morning, but that's delicious. But I can there already see it's Friday and I'm already thinking, if I carry on like this, Sunday morning is <laughs> definitely... already thinking about Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. And uh, where, uh, whereabouts would we be consuming these, these rather nutritious drinks? Well, you know, I was looking at the map and it was something I thought we should go to some place where I, certainly I have never been before. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I, you know, so right now uh, I have, you know, with everything going on in the world, mm -hmm. I have a very strong, uh, you know, it's like, what's the opposite of America right now? What's mm -hmm. the, you know, because I kind of want to be there. Um, yeah. And so the place that I picked for us, was a place I've never been and have wanted to go for a long, long time. Um, so if someone out in your audience would like to send me a free ticket to go there, yeah. I would be more than happy to oblige. Um, Palma de Mallorca, right? So the island, mm. of course, of Mallorca. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I've never been to Spain, much less Mallorca. Um, wow. But um, uh, I've, you know, I, I 
just I look at the pictures there and I just I just go, wow, that is someplace I'd like to go. And it looks like it looks like, of course, I've never been there, but it looks mm-hmm. like the kind of place where you could sit with a Bloody Mary yes. and just watch the sunset around the buildings and sort of have that golden yes. hue uh, of the, you know, of the sunset and just have, you know, a very, yeah. and I looked at the temperature and it's mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, and so I'm American, so forgive the yeah. Fahrenheit, but it's, yeah. uh, it, you know, it's like 65 degrees every single month there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So nice. And I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge lover of Spain and going to Spain. And um, I think, I think you're spot on there. And uh, certainly, and and then, you know, you combine that with the tapas and, uh, oh. and all the good things. Yes. And, um, uh, and also we've done red wine on here before, haven't we? Well, obviously I didn't, I had a gin and tonic, but um, you know, get some fine red wine. Sure. Uh, and then, a nice and Rioja. Yes. And then kick the day off, kick, kick the day off with a, with a Bloody, Bloody Mary, Mary. too much Rioja the night before, <laughs> and of course then you open up with a Bloody Mary. Ah, uh, sounds idyllic, sounds idyllic. So I think that we know where we need to put the European version of uh, content marketing world then, don't we? There we go, Mallorca. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just have a chat with Joe, that's where we'll start. Um, we just need to find someone that, oh, I know where, Seville. Seville oranges. Orange. Ah. Lovely. It's all there. It, 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 it's complete. So content marketing world in Seville, <laughs> 2022. Brilliant. <laughs> right. So uh, we, are, uh, we are observing the, the sunset, uh, having uh, had a day of it, probably, that started off with, um, with Bloody Marys. Um, what would we be talking about once we've got through all of the, how this is so much not like America? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, exactly. Uh, and one of the reasons that I, you know, that is, is certainly, is certainly top of mind right now, which yeah. is, you know, a feeling of, you know, some colleagues that I have seen recently and sharing a feeling that I had back in, uh, you know, the, the going all the way back to really the call it the early 90s late 80s even when i mm-hmm. first moved to los angeles which is you know i used to get this uh this question a lot which is you know wait you know and, and maybe you you'll you'll uh you'll you'll sympathize or empathize um why don't you get a real job is basically <laughs> you know so i used to get that all the time you know when and and it's a, and it's a question that artists get from their parents you know, yeah. artists, you know, people will get, you know, when they go pursue an artistic career yeah. um, or really anything that's sort of, you know, unfamiliar to the world as being a job. Yeah. You get this. Why don't you get a, a, a real job? And of course, being a professional in the arts is one of the most backbreaking, difficult, arduous jobs in the entire planet. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I was a musician, for example, and, mm-hmm. you know, I will tell you the job of being a musician has got almost nothing to do with music, right? You're, right. you're a marketer, you're a traveling salesperson, you're a heavy equipment mover, you're a negotiator, mm. a driver. And yeah, sometimes mm. occasionally you're a performer. You're basically an entrepreneur. You're a one person entrepreneur trying to build your business and performing the art to the extent that you actually get to do it in public. It's an exceedingly small part of a very difficult right. job. And, and, but the interesting thing is, is that what I discovered then about the what lies really beneath that question, you know, why people ask that question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 
because they don't, it doesn't really match what they think the job is, doesn't really match their current understanding of how the world works, right? Mm -hmm. They basically have a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. And today I see that same thing. Um, and this, I think you probably can identify with in content marketing, right? Yeah. You know, the most common request I get from clients today is basically help them convince their disinterested, <laughs> disinterested boss <laughs> that content marketing is something worth scaling in the business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they'll come to me and they'll say, well, hopefully there's an outside opinion that'll help here because I'm not getting anywhere with this. Yeah. And yeah. You know, my boss thinks content marketing is a distraction. He wants me yeah. to focus on our direct marketing campaigns and et cetera. Yeah. And what I suggest is basically that their boss is ostensibly asking, why don't you get a real job? Right. Mm. Yeah. And the answer that I say is don't try. This is the, you know, sort of cautionary tale here. Don't try to teach these executives about how difficult content marketing mm-hmm. is and don't yeah. flash around all these examples of how exponentially successful, you know, the rock stars as it were can be because yeah. both of those approaches basically is the equivalent of the screaming teenager going, but I've got talent, right. You know, to their <laughs> disbelieving parents, you know, and it's like, you may be right, but guess what? They don't care. It doesn't seem yeah. real to them. It's not real. Yeah. You yeah. better be, you're, you're better off actually teaching the executives how normal it is, right? Just how mm-hmm. normal the job of content marketing is. For some companies, it's an average investment that produces average results. For some, it's a tiny investment that produces exponential results. For others, it's a huge investment that falls flat on its face. In other words, it's real. It's a thing. It's there. Yeah. And if you can convince them that content marketing is something that they can understand as a real job, well, now you can see how you can actually take your unique gifts and talents yeah. and make it something successful. And that's that's what I've, is on uh, is on our mind this week. Yeah, no, I really like that, and I, I like the. Um, I mean, get yourself a real job is is, is interesting, and I and I also I was thinking I was wondering how that was going to go when you when you first mentioned it because I think at the moment with everybody working from home. I don't, I mean, my, my wife leaves the house to go to work because she works in a store, right? So, so for her, I don't have a proper job because I don't leave the house. (laughs) Right, right. You know, there's, there's a bit of that going on, but that's not the point that you were making. And I think that, and, um, but you've also talked about in the past about being, not empathetic is the wrong word, but understanding what people care about. Right. Is there's right. no point in you saying, look, this is really important. This is something I care passionately about. This is what I believe is going to succeed and scream like that teenager you were talking about, about their talent. If if what you're saying, they don't care about it. You haven't put it in the context of what's going to drive them forward. Well, that's exactly right. It's what they yeah. care about. Right. And yeah. and but before you can even understand what they care about. You've got them make them care about the concept, which is, you know, the, the idea is, is that you have to make them understand it. Right. Yeah. And, and the way to make them understand it is not to point out how a few people can be exponentially successful at this. Right. This is, you know, it is the equivalent of us going, you know, if we go ask our parents and say, hey, listen, I want to go to Hollywood and become a rock star. Go, look, Billy Joel did it. Look, Elton John did it. Look, these guys did it. They're they're making tons of money and buying mansions and buying their parents' houses and, you know, and all of that. 
that just makes the, you know, the boss in this situation go, yeah, but you're not Elton John. Right. Mm, and, mm. and so what you need to say is, look, there are a lot of people out there doing this, some of them doing it well, some of them not doing it so well. And mm. the, you know, the investment required is, is something, you know, that we can, that we should do. There are, yeah. you know, there are good methods of, of investing in this. And let me tell you why it's a good process, like why it's mm. a real process. It's a real thing. It's not just some fantasy of some businesses that can make this work. You know, one of the things that I get all the time is, this is especially true in B2B businesses where they say, yeah, yeah, car top marketing works for Lego and it works yeah. for, you know, Disney and it works for yeah. Kraft and it works for Nike and it works yeah. for all those cool brands that have really cool things to talk about, but we make generators. And yeah. it's like, yes, but... Yeah. People buy generators based on emotion. They base they buy their generators not based on some, you know, the cheapest one available. The, yeah. the differentiation in buying a generator comes in making them feel a certain way. And so content marketing can absolutely have a role to play yeah. there of making people feel a certain way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's that swimming pool guy, isn't it? That um, I, can't, I can't remember his name. I should do because he's quoted all the time as... I mean, he had a little swimming pool business. He 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 then went heavily into content marketing about talking oh, sure. about all the questions that he was being asked about swimming pools and how they're made, and you know, and and he's uh, it's terrible that I can't remember his name, but he's like the poster child of content marketing in in many 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 ways, isn't he? And his his business is now hugely successful. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's excellent. So what do you, what do you usually advise your clients? Uh, if, if they're, if they're, if they're being advised to find a real job, do you say, yes, you go do that, but somewhere else where they might understand you, or how do you take that approach with, with that, with that organization, turn them around to realize what content marketing is all about? Well, one of the things that you have to understand is, is that, you know, you're not doing you know, just very much like the fact that, you know, being a musician or being an actor or being a writer or being a direct, being an artist, being a painter, mm. you know, mm. the job of that is not, you know, because what people tend to conflate content marketing with is, is the fluffy stuff that gets right. created, right? Yeah. So, you know, there is a, there is an impression and a false impression that the job is simply doing cool stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And as I've said on this show before and many times before, yeah. you know, 90% of content marketing and content strategy has nothing to do with content. Yeah. And it's a similar thing to the job of being an artist, right? Which is 90% yeah. of the job of being an artist isn't about the art. It's about yeah. how do you actually do the hard work of marketing and sales and project management and communication and yeah. heavy lifting and doing all the things that need to get done. And once you start to expose that to the business and say, listen, content marketing works because it shares so many of the hard work practices with sales enablement and marketing and, you know, understanding audience needs and understanding product and understanding the development of product and understanding the measurement yeah. and digital and, and, and all of the sort of blocking and tackling that is the real job of content yeah. marketing. And yeah, occasionally we also get to create really cool, sexy Lego movies, right? Yeah. And so that's the that's the real difference is is exposing all of the things 
that are the mechanics and reality of what the content marketing practice is all about so yeah. that they go, oh, yeah. it's real. Okay, yeah. now it sounds hard, right? Yeah. Now it sounds difficult. And we now we have to build a business case for why we are the right ones to do it, of course. Mm -hmm. But at that point, you're now building a business case based on your talents and gifts and capabilities rather than sort of getting them to understand the concept full stop. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Sebo, but good advice as usual. And talking of advice, where can people find other pieces of advice like this? Well, you might find it. You might, you might <laughs> find it on my little hovel on the web, which of course mm -hmm. is contentadvisory.net. And uh, yeah, we're putting a few thoughts up there occasionally. That's splendid. Well, and um, luckily the bar was relatively quiet this evening. So that's fantastic. Yes, it was amazingly yeah. quiet this evening. Yeah. yeah. And will I see you in this quiet bar next week? I'm not sure how quiet it'll be, but uh, definitely uh, <laughs> you'll see me there. Excellent. And in the meantime, when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? They're going to find me on LinkedIn and Twitter primarily these days. Um, and I'm easy enough to find with a quick search on either. Excellent. Well, I'll see you then. Next, see you next week then, Robert. And uh, have a good week. Thank you, Robert. We definitely need to make this a proper job. Wise words indeed. So that's a wrap on episode 77 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Christina and Robert. I really appreciate their time for them to share their insights with us. So please check out their work. You can find all their links in the show notes in your favorite podcatcher and at rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. Let me know what you think. Get in touch. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please leave a rating or review in your favorite podcatcher or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. I hope you like this episode as next week we have more of the same. Jeff Clark is back. We'll have part two with Christina Del Villar and discuss the R in grit. And Robert Rose is back in our Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, I hope you have a great week and you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.